What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. following is a reading from All the President's Men by Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. The national staff of the Washington Post rarely covers police stories. So, at Sussman's request, both Bernstein and Woodward returned to the office the next morning, a bright Sunday, June 18, to follow up. An item moving on the Associated Press wire made it embarrassingly clear why McCord had deserved further checking. According to the campaign spending reports filed with the government, James McCord was the security coordinator of the Committee for Re-Election of the President. The two reporters stood in the middle of the newsroom and looked at each other. What the hell do you think it means? Woodward asked. Bernsey didn't know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Joining me is someone who said that this movie slaps, but she herself indeed does slap. It is one of my favorite film critics in the world. Um, She writes for... A whole stack of publications, LA Times, Chicago Tribune. She's part of the Tribune agency, so you see her stuff all over the place. My favorite, Katie Walsh. Katie, welcome to All the President's Minutes. Oh, you really mean that? You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. Yes, <laughs> around. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie, and I love that you pick these movies that are... 150 minutes long. Hey, this one's only 138. It's like it feels like a walk in the park compared to Heat's 167. There's my next two years. Well, I'm really I'm going a 13 months for this bad boy, and I'm putting it out. I'm like barreling. I want to get it out basically for January of next year, which I'm hoping will coincide with a a, a positive election result uh, for the United States. Um, So. fingers crossed right fingers crossed yeah look i you know you said it perfectly it's like this movie is a movie that you just throw on and then you're watching the whole thing and that's what like continued to draw me to this while i was doing one heat minute is like this movie i just throw it on and it's just 
insanely good. Like every single part of it, even though it's just the grind of people doing the same things and eking out little bits of information. It is just, there is something about the chemistry of the whole thing that's just fucking excellent. And you can just watch it over and over again. And I just think those movies need to be celebrated. Totally. I mean, I have a thing for competency porn. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like people doing their jobs well. I could just watch the shit out of that. (laughs) Yes, yes. And um, well, this is a tangent, but like I fully cried so hard in Sully, the Clint Eastwood movie. Yes. <laughs> when the tugboats like rescue the people on the plane, I'm like, they're doing their jobs and being helpful. <laughs> like, a tugboat is helping. I'm like, why am I crying at this? And I don't cry in All the President's Men, but like there's nothing. I could watch like literally 12 hours of like Robert Redford just making phone calls and taking notes yeah and just calling these like unsuspecting secretaries and being like oh what, what was that oh he's at whose office <laughs> yeah and 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 just gigantic ties beautiful yeah. old phones like not even headsets like the agony of like holding a phone like especially when you're thinking like you're holding a phone on your neck for hours like scribbling notes on a notepad holding 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 like it used to be an effort like to sit there. Whereas yeah. like, I know like you and I not on podcast, but certainly on like, if you're ever, if you've ever been on a teleconference these days and you just do not want to engage, you can like put your feet up, you can lie on the floor with your headphones in and hit your phone on mute. Like this is the, you know, back in this day, like you're covering yeah. receivers and you can just like lay back and be like, this is so boring. I don't need to be here. But like in this, he's not only have to be intently focused, you're like holding this gigantic receiver. You're like calling random any numbers. Like I'm, you just it, it feels like such a like it's going to be so thankless and it's not going to get you anything. But when they start to like be fruitful, you're like, holy shit! And you get a great you get a great moment in this minute because we're at the fifteenth minute of all the presidents, man. Alan, you gave me one of the best moments. Yeah, I did. I gave you I gave you the question. I gave you an amazing question. Who is Charles Coulson? Yes. I was like, I was timing it out. I'm like, okay, where's the 15th minute? And then I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like the minute. This is where a... like everything breaks wide open. It is a minute. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you get the insane, um, you get Harry, um, the insane Jack Warden, the legendary Jack Warden, just going, sit down. Let me just, let me, let me start telling you something. And so look, let's, let's, we're going to watch yeah. the minute together. Let's do that. And then we're going to come back and talk about it because it is just so good. And I just want to ask you, could a tie be any wider than Robert Redford's <laughs> tie before we go into the minute? I don't think it's possible. The limit has I, been reached. I, I, I just I, I start immediately Googling. This is the scene where I'm Googling, like, how wide is that tie? Or how skinny is he? Because I've never seen a tie so wide. Anyway. Here we go. We're going to watch it. Love the ties and Irishman. <laughs> oh, my I God. Mean, now that that'll is... give you a run for, your, for the wide tie money. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a double feature. Wide tie double feature. All right. We're going yeah. to we're gonna watch okay. this the 15th minute. Um, you guys are going to listen along, and we're going to come back and talk about it. White House. Howard Hunt, please. Mr. Hunt isn't here just now. He might be in Mr. Colson's office. I'll connect you. Thank you. Charles Colson's office. Howard Hunt, please. Mr. Hunt isn't here just now. 
Do you know when he'll be back? No, I don't. Okay, thank you. Have you tried the Mullen firm? I beg your pardon? He also works as a writer at Mullen and Company Public Relations. Do you have a phone on that or an address, please? No, I don't. I'm sorry. All right, thank you. Carrie? Who's Charles Colson? Who's Charles Colson? Sit down. You know, I'm glad you asked me that question. The reason I'm glad you asked me is because if you had asked Simons or Bradley, they would have said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Love the cliffhanger moments. I'm glad you asked me that because if you had Simons or Bradley, would have asked me. We would have said, we're going to have to fire this. Great. He's so good. Yeah. I love all the character actors in this. Um, I just put together that Martin Balsam, who plays Simons, is the friggin' detective in Psycho. Yes, he is. One down the stairs. <laughs> yes, he is. I yep. love him. I love all those guys. That that's a that's a um like that's a little like casting flex. Like back then, it's like, oh yeah, we'll get Balsam. Like he's been in absolutely everything, and people love him. And I feel like they got all of those guys for this movie. Like everyone who was a beloved character actor that was just loved. They're like, yep, him, 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 her, her, her. Yep, okay, good. We've got the cast, and then the two movie stars at the center, and that's that's exactly what we want for this scene. Yeah, it's it's. I kind of yearn for this. I wish we had to do this more often. I wish we had nice secretaries to talk to in any part of our job. Like with publicists, it's just like you're going direct to publicists. There's no secretaries. There's like sometimes a receptionist. There's not even a, they will get back to you. A message will get to them. It's usually that a call is being screened or, you know, an email is being ignored. It's actually this nice refreshing thing of like you call them. If you can't get them, you ask them to take a message. You speak to them or you go to their office. It's just something. I love the analog. I love every part of this. It's just, um, it's so good. Yeah, where uh, they're just offering up these little tidbits of information like, oh, yeah, he also works here and he might be in this person's office. And it's like just following those, you know, he's pulling the the piece of the sweater or the and unraveling it. Yes. It's little tiny bit by bit by bit. Um, but also, I mean, these fucking idiots wrote <laughs> his name on their paper. <laughs> 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 Like, all he has to do is just be like, uh, Howard Hunt, Yellow Pages. <laughs> just I just love when he calls Howard Hunt later and he's just like, good God. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah. I have no comment. Yes. So uh, many. Can we just say, you just brought up something that hasn't been underscored too much yet, which is just how many amazing... So we talk about the character actors, but just how many amazing performances... Like for us audiophiles now who are such like podcast listeners and stuff, how many amazing audio performances come down the end of a phone? Like where you yeah. don't even ever have to see them. Like some of the secretaries sound nicer than others, more helpful than others, more cantankerous than others, and more, you know, frightened in some instances than others. Um, and then the individuals that they're talking to on the phone, especially like people waking up from sleep or things like that. It's it 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 is such a huge sphere of this movie and it's a really interesting and I think sort of like, I don't know, one of those things that makes it evergreen choices of we are never going to show you another person they're talking to on the phone. When There's never going to be a scene, um, only between really Woodward and Burns scene, large, like I think maybe there's one scene, but it's 
you're going to only see the person who's instigating the call as the person on screen. We're not going to do any split screen crap or do any intercuts to try and speed this up or talk about the landscape. You're just going to have to figure out that they're talking to this person likely in an office somewhere or at their home and that's it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me, I just saw Uncut Gems for the third time. <laughs> oh, it's not out in goddamn Australia yet, Katie. It's not out yet. Okay, won't talk about it, but... There are some great phone performances on yes. that as well, where you never see the person and it's going through, you know, it's somebody's rep or it's somebody's, you know, uh, agent or it's a person at an auction house and it's like these great phone performances. So I'm just going to say, pay attention to the voices on the phone. I can't wait. And, um, yeah, I mean, you get these great performances, even from the librarian who's like, oh, yeah, I'll happily give you the list of all the books on Kennedy that he's checked out. And then two seconds later, she's like, this phone call never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the her, the her sort of uh, like sudden, sudden cover-up that happens, the switch that happens so quickly is like, you know, they start to realize that they're stepping on like a hornet's nest. And um, that's all, you know, th- this... This moment is just him starting to pound the phone, I guess, uh, and and then it, that, it, that's what the whole movie turns into. It's just them pulling and pulling and pulling the string. It's like um, it's it it sort of tells you for split seconds, like you don't know if this is going to be anything. And then once, like you said, you get this moment and it's Colson, it's like, oh, no, this is the way we have to do this. We literally have to call people and grind it out. And then they literally grind it to death, you know, at a later point of the movie. And we're not going to discuss that in too much detail, but they grind the phone grind to death because they can't get, you know, other than their existing sources, no one's talking to them. So they literally have to show up on people's doorsteps um, to even possibly get something. But I just love here just like the craft of, yes, it's a massive, like great close-up shot. There's a little technical thing here, which is that Robert Redford's left-handed and he spends the whole movie right-handed because Bob Woodward's right-handed. And so you see, and I don't know if it's him scribbling the notes. I haven't, I haven't been able to find that in research specifically because obviously the person that is writing the notes is very fluid writing the notes and I don't think that Redford's ambidextrous so I'm guessing it's someone else who's who's writing them in those like hand close-ups on the notebooks and scribbling um but he spends the whole time on the phone with his holding it in his left hand and and uh, uh, as opposed to his inclination holding his right and dialing the phones with his right hands and stuff like that but I just love that how much chaos is happening around him like the minute that he puts that receiver down you get up and you get multiple shots across this huge stage that is the washington post that they've built for themselves in burbank and there's like a, a million other people doing stuff women like people of color like and, and like i think if one of the things that you would surprise like obviously in a lot of the editorial meetings and rooms there's just a whole bunch of white guys and i think that when you look at something like um liz hannah and spielberg's the post later on you do it does show a little bit more of that diversity that's in the newsroom or like brings it to the fore um for the pentagon papers but like this movie most certainly like it has it it just doesn't 
quite underscore it. And like, I think Pacula and the team there are like, no, this is what the newsroom needs to look like. It needs to look rep- be representative of what the newsroom there looked like. But they just hadn't broken through into positions, I guess, of influence and power at this time. So it, like, it's cool. Like you just see these cross sections and it's like six lady reporters and one African-American reporter. And then on the other side, it's the same. It's, it's kind of like, I, I love that in this scene because I'm like breaking it down 10 seconds by 10 seconds, essentially. And, and you're just seeing all these like great cross sections like the 40th second mark you look over there's like a couple of white guys there's three women and then there's two people of color there who are grinding away at the desks and then similarly on the other side of the newsroom a whole set of different people (laughs) that are all doing the same thing it's it's such a nice little touch yeah i um i was gonna comment on the insane sound design yes in the film and the constant like what what's the sort of constant low level of anxiety at the typewriters just constantly going, the phones constantly ringing and sort of like finding how they have to find their focus in this chaotic sound mix. I mean, there are even, the sound in this movie is crazy. The scene where, sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Bernstein is sort of having this like flirty conversation with a young secretary and- At the the outdoor cafe. Yes, and the planes are going over. Yes. I think about this all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, I just like the way that they're just like sort of adding more and more tension through the layers of like environmental sound is just so masterful. And the overlapping sound, like I think in this minute, like or right around this minute, there's uh, I think he 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 talks to harry who's like you're an idiot or you're a schmuck and then he you hear the sound of the rotary phone going as he's walking away so like the action is already starting before he started it or before we see it so it's like the overlapping sound is is constantly happening like the edit is amazing and and what i love about pacula's style is like it's not showy but you're instantly like locked in and you're like, what's happening? I need to know what's going on. And it's just guys going about their business. But like, I mean, if I, if I had to like teach film production or like filmmaking, I would, which I wouldn't be bad at, but you know, I would just make them watch this movie until their eyeballs fall out of their head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because there's so much they have to tell you, right? There's so much exposition and there are so many movies that when it happens, it pumps the brakes on your experience. It's just like, we're going to tell you information now and it's going to be boring as batshit. And you're like, ugh, so bored right now. This is so, you know, unessential. Or if it is essential, it's not doing anything. You don't get us, you know, it's, it's, it's giving you too much airtime and killing all the tension. Whereas in this, it's like, decisions of framing and like in literally the preceding seconds, like the next seconds after your minute going into the 16th minute is all where like those first split diopter shots happen where literally you've got the, those wonderful shots of like the, the other female reporter that's sitting next to Woodward at the moment, like grinding away on the phone, talking, typing people in the background. It's like nothing is stopping in this newsroom. And these guys are just a small cog in this massive wheel. And we want to know that they're the tiniest cog right now because we don't even know what the hell this story is. Yeah, I I mean and um yeah, the, the 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 exposition is all sort of so baked in, so lived in, so you know, the way that they would talk to each other and it 
keeps you hanging on every word because you're like, wait, who were they talking to that said that? Oh, wait, that was that person from that really high up office or that was um, that librarian or whatever. And and you almost have to like either pay super close attention or keep rewinding and being like, wait, what was that? What was that? Um, but the exposition is like so just like beautifully done and everything's just like extremely efficient. Yeah. Which I respect hugely. Yeah, because when you watch as many movies, particularly as you watch and file as many reviews as you have to do, the moment that a movie, especially when it is feeling familiar, decides to pump the brakes on you with exposition and not be lean and have these huge fatty bits. It's just like, oh my God, how laborious. Whereas like um, it to, to, to take it on a, a completely incredible tangent is like, um, a, re- a movie I recently enjoyed, which is very kind of genre familiar and has a lot of movies that you could associate with is Underwater with uh, Kristen mm-hmm. Stewart, which a 90-minute movie that just by sheer blistering pace like does not overstay its welcome at any point. So even if there are parts of the movie that lose you or you kind of like as it as it is a sort of creature feature uh, tension movie in, in that way, um, it, it can kind of either lose you or have you by the end of the movie in, in its climactic moments. Um, I just appreciate like it, it only takes the briefest amount of breath to get you back to sort of neutral again before it like squeezes you in, in, in those sort of tense moments. And this movie... This, there's no creature at the end. There's no exciting thing. It's like, and there's the behemoth that we know is going to happen, but it's like you're still hanging on every word, and that's really, really skillful. Oh yeah, and and just how um, workmanlike and the the filmmaking is, which I think reflects the workmanlike attitude of these reporters who are just like, we're doing our job. We're doing our job. Our job is to find the story. And, um, I think like they're, they're on the Metro desk. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. Only on Metro. Yeah. So like, it's not a huge, it's like literally a break in at a local hotel. It's not a matter of national security, even though we like realize later it's, it's like huge, scandal but you know it's just like these like beat reporters being like oh someone broke into this hotel gonna like go down to the arraignment gonna start bugging old markham and (laughs) talk about ties oh markham's ties beautiful it's like it's like gucci (laughs) gucci saw that tie and we're like that's that's the next 30 years of our designs like that's it I, I also love how, like, the, the, I guess, like, the public defenders or whatever, like, real country club type, and then he just immediately zeroes down <laughs> and, like, big blue suit. Like, oh, gross. Um, yeah, I mean, everything is just so... Everything about the filmmaking, like, reflects the experience that these guys are going through. Yes. and Which is, like, finding the thing, dogged determination unshowily. Yes. It's so unshowily, in fact, that corduroy is just blooming in this office. Like, I mean, there couldn't be more corduroy. What is What says dogged more than ill-fitting corduroy pants that don't breathe? Ooh, and that swampy DC climate. Um, <laughs> I want to know what time of year it is. Isn't it like June? Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah. I, God, who's wearing corduroy in DC in June? My God. Redford. Redford. <laughs> It's all about um, 
I mean, with ties this wide and corduroy, this is what I miss, Katie. This is like, you know, this is the dream that I, you know, that I that I cling to it one day. Is like if you if you somehow got the money to have a media conglomerate, I would just like replicate this office exactly. I'd be like, all right, everyone who's filing a review now, we're writing on the typewriters. I don't care if we need to like buy this special little digital scanning mechanism that like scans the print and then makes it digital. But I'm like, I want to do it on typewriters. I want us to wear corduroy. I want us all to smoke. I don't care if what I mean. Cancer be damned. Like, we're all smoking. This is the kind of place that I want to be. Or notebooks, big old phones. Swathed in unbreathable polyester. (laughs) (laughs) No one's skin is breathing at all anywhere. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I understand your your desire for that (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's it's just – this is just such a – you know, I do going back to your previous point about like how many movies I watch and like how spectacular this is. Like I when I first saw this movie, I could not believe you know, it's two and a half hours or two hours and twenty minutes, and it's like it just rips. It feels like ninety minutes. Yes. And you're never bored and you're drawn into it so quickly. I mean, I watch so many movies on screeners where like within five minutes I'm like, Oh my god, what? Why am I watching this? It's so boring, or it's like, um, it just doesn't grab me. I'm not interested in the story at all. And and I keep watching the opening of this being like, why am I drawn into this right away? Like, mm. I don't understand what magic they are doing to make this so compelling. And I don't know if it's like the withholding of information or the way it's so like simply presented, but um, there's just something about the way this movie starts where you're like, I need to know what's happening and I'm immediately drawn in and I like these characters and I want them to succeed on their journey and I want to know what's going on even if you know the story even if you know you know the history of, of what was happening so I just I just anytime I see like a really well-made movie like this where I'm like oh I just like have to I'm I'm on the edge of my seat it's, it's like, it feels miraculous to me because I've seen so many things that I'm just like, oh my God, this is so boring or full of shit or whatever. So <laughs> I, I think it I might, re- I think it might be that withholding. I wonder that too, because it's like, it doesn't take long to have its hooks in you. And like, as, as, as many times as I may mention, it's like, when I hear that opening score to heat, it's a dumb train. It's a dumb train in the night, but there's something about it. Like, I don't know what, what it is. It's like, the, sometimes it's that it just strikes this nerve of like inquisition and you got like, who's on the train? Yeah. Like just that as simple as who's on that train. Like, because you go, we're watching a train. It's about to pull into a station. Who's on the train. And, and I think in this movie, the fact that it's like, we're seeing Nixon at his height going to address the nation and he's flying in like a god on this plane that's flown from another part of the world and it's you know on the, sorry on this giant gigantic helicopter and he's coming in and he descends and we go from like this height of like applause to just darkness and indeterminate sounds which we then find out as like lock picking and so it it comes into this i i i think you're right there's this weird thing where it's just like this hook just goes boom and you're just straight in. And it's like, it's three minutes. It's less than three minutes, actually. It's like two and a half minutes and it's got you. And there are so many movies that just, 
you know, it might even take 15 to 20 minutes before you even feel like you're warmed up. Like, oh, okay, I can give this a chance now. But there's sometimes, you know, I know how many movies you watch too. It's like you watch it and you're like, can we get on with this? Like, <laughs> can you fucking get on with it? <laughs> because, like, it's so laborious. Yeah. For me, I, it's like it's the tape on the door mm. when the mm. security guard pulls the tape off and you're just like, who put that tape there? Mm. What's going on? Like what? And it's, it's such a dorm room move. Like when you're in college, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm going to put tape on my doorknob. <laughs> a dorm room move. These guys are as good as someone who's breaking into a dorm. Let's be fair. They're fucking <laughs> They're really so bad like- at breaking into places. They suck, but they think they're good at it. They're like, oh my god, and their dumb suits and their gloves <laughs> that are taped up—it's the dumbest fucking outfit. I know they like think they're so hard, <laughs> but they're not. Um, they're bad. Come on, <laughs> guys. Dumb. Come on, guys. Get some overalls like, or something for God's sake. I know it's like, uh, and 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 then all the stuff that happens after, like, you know, you see how easy it is for these guys to sort of like at least. Maybe they don't figure it out all right away, but they at least pull hard enough to find the beginning of a story. And it's Markham. It's um, the guy at the arraignment being like, uh, 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 CIA, uh, like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it's uh, these people saying, oh, he works in this office. And they're like, oh, okay, there's obviously something here. But like the fact that they're like writing in their notebooks, like Howard Hunt, phone number, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, like you can tell that Howard Hunt on the phone is just like Jesus Christ. Like, why did this happen? <laughs> but but also, you know, th- there's that great line. Like, these are not very bright guys. It's like it's so flagrant in all aspects. I think that that's what's. I think that's what's like this underrated thing about, and like it's the great lie of every espionage movie, right? That these government operatives are so smart and everyone is so far ahead of you. And I think it's that what we get as we get a bit older with our cynicism is you're like, politicians are dumb. There are some of them that are so dumb that you're like, I don't even know how this person dresses in the morning. They're that stupid. And how they got into a position of power, you're like, stupid. It's like, oh no, there are stupid people who eventually amass influence because they say the right stupid things to the right stupid audience or they're manipulated and put in as a power as as someone in power because there are smarter people that are behind the scenes and that's ultimately what's happening is that sometimes these dumb people are compliant and they do these dumb compliant things but you can't expect that they're going to be smart every time or they're going to get everything right and it's like I, i love that about this is like you've got the president of the united states dispatching asking for his political competitors to be spied upon and the guys that get to do it is this ragtag motley idiots. Like in in every other spy movie, it's like get James Bond, like he'll be the one that does it, or get someone, get Jerry Butler for Christ's sake, but not these Muppets. Get Mike, whatever his name is from Olympus Has Fallen, <laughs> Mike Bannon, Mike Bannon. How could I forget? Um, Just he check, at on, least check your Mike Bannon tattoo on your forearm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't imagine who you could be talking about. Politicians being dumb, don't know how they dress themselves in the morning. Um, yeah, I know a few, I've heard, I, I feel like I've heard of a few of those guys, but, um, yeah, I also, you know, in the past like couple of years have just realized I'm like, oh, politicians are just like, 
bossy, annoying people who like want to like boss everyone around, like the lamest guy from your like high school class. (laughs) Those are the people who become, you know, politicians and set the laws for all of us. Um, But uh, I think what's also, you know, like sort of an interesting comparison and and what we've been taught or like what I've been talking about, sort of this like workmanlike uh, approach to reporting. And like, also, I mean, if you wanted to like, see how to do reporting, you watch all the president's men. Yes. And, but you know, it's like, it's just a couple of guys doing their jobs, doing them very well. And, and that's sort of, um, juxtaposed with these guys who I think that their sloppiness also speaks to their entitledness and sort of feeling like we can get away with this. Yes. We're, we're high up We're you know, we have these connections but also that they're like, it's just dudes. It's just not anybody extraordinary or special and they are fallible and able of making these very dumb mistakes. So it's sort of like there's a both a celebration and like damning of the mundane of like the everyday, the quotidian yes. in this life, in this movie. Like look at what this, at this amazing thing that, that you can do uh just being a regular reporter and how you can change the world. And like, also you can just be a regular guy who has to break into the Watergate hotel and (laughs) very, you can also make some very dumb mistakes. Um, I was, this is a total side note, but, um, there's a, the documentary Mike Wallace is here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who was the 60 minutes correspondent. And I last summer play by play by Chris Plummer in the insider. Yes. And, uh, um, but so there's an amazing, I laughed so hard. I was like, I have not laughed this hard, uh, (laughs) in a movie when Mike Wallace is just grilling John Ehrlichman, who was one of the Nixon guys. He is grilling this man over an open flame. Like he just has (laughs) him on a spit, like a little going around and around. And Ehrlichman is sweating, like, just rivulets of sweat fucking <laughs> TV, just like silently, like looks like he's taking a shit. And he's just like <laughs> pouring down his face. I laughed so hard. Funniest thing I have seen <laughs> in the movies in a long time. So I highly recommend Mike Wallace is here for just seeing who these Nixon guys really are. <laughs> I mean, obviously he interviews a lot of different people, but he, he was pretty um, integral in that in the Watergate thing. So anyway, Mike yeah. Wallace, Nixon guys, hilarious. <laughs> definitely gonna find. I'm gonna definitely seek that out. I'd heard about it. I'd heard about it, but it hasn't hasn't gotten any kind of release in Oz yet. I'm gonna have to see if I can seek that out. But it, that was did the fest was that festival circuit? Is it like on US iTunes these days? They it it came out. Um, last some last july it was released in theaters so it's probably on itunes by now um but yeah uh it's it's a it's like a 93 minute documentary almost all archival footage and it's just a rollicking ride a rollicking ride of watching mike wallace fillet people who are just totally inept yes and i don't think the sweat on Ehrlichman's face made me laugh so hard. Like <laughs> that person is guilty. You can tell yeah. by his face. Like, <laughs> but, but isn't that the, what's great when you're like, that is, if we're talking about what journalists need to do and be, it's that yeah. I don't give a fuck like Mike Wallace interviewing oh, Ehrlichman. Absolutely. Like uh, he's not caring about 
editorial interference. He's been told, go and eviscerate this guy. Like, hold him. He's been told, pr- primed for that interview to go, no, hold his feet to the fire. <laughs> and when I bet you his producers in an earwig, like, are going, oh, Mike, this is so fucking good, Mike. Yeah. Keep going. Oh, my goodness. Look at those sweat. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Keep going. <laughs> Like, but, you know, Mike Wallace uh, kind of invented that, like, confrontational interview style, which is really interesting. And, I mean, he's definitely cut from the same cloth as Woodward and Bernstein, just like dog on a bone, will not stop until they get what they need. And, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a rare breed in journalism sometimes. So, and, you know, it's and that's a type of journalism that's like, not that's like under threat in a lot of ways you know it's not easy it's not easy to do that and it's not easy to get money to do that and it's not easy to get the outlets to do that so and and right now and right now in la you're getting stupid legislation that's passing that's like crippling the freelancing industry or like you guys are currently lobbying against it yep 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 we are, and I mean, talk about politicians being the dumbest, most annoying people in your <laughs> high school class that then, I mean, the reason why Los Angeles just like exploded the independent contracting industry is because some psychotic woman in San Diego decided to pass this law, and I'm just like, we didn't even vote on this. <laughs> like, why does this random assembly woman from San Diego get to like, decide how you know all independent contractors earn their money anyway i could do a whole hour long podcast on that as well see my twitter if you need more information <laughs> we'll definitely link it in the description in case you guys need to know it's a it's a it's a it basically it's a it's a limiting the amount of freelance work that you can have or, or or contract work that you can have or contractors working for certain companies and i think maybe the incentive was that there were some big companies that were like only on contractors, but the latent impacts of something like freelance journalism, which literally people live and die by the freelance market, um, um, and you're having these different freelance journals that work for you, it's like saying, okay, cool, you can only have X amount of articles a month, which is like nine or 10 or something stupid like that, when some people do 50, and you're like, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay. no, it's It's just so, it's a, it's a total misunderstanding of like how freelance journalists work and um you know it has to do with like it basically they want they think that if they limit how much freelancers work that we will then be hired as employees Mm. and it's like no they don't have to hire us they can just go to another state or another country and hire someone there who isn't who isn't limited so it's pretty bad we're fighting it we have a first amendment lawsuit in the books so march we'll see what happens well good luck because this is <laughs> this is the kind of fight that you need right like against a, someone who just makes a decision and doesn't uh, even wonder what the consequences are going to be which is apt exactly. for this movie <laughs> it is apt for this movie and it also you know i mean the thing is that it's just going to end up limiting a how much freelancers can work and be the the voices of yes freelance journalists. And I think that that is really bad considering the stats about representation in journalism. And so, you know, I mean, you would think that there would be more, um, reverence for, uh, the work that freelance journalists do. And certainly many people have been exploited, but this is not the law that's going to fix 
exploiting journalists, but we should support and uphold journalists and we should all watch the, all the president's men because <laughs> like fucking journalism porn to just be like, Ooh yeah. Take those notes, make those phone calls. Yes. Can someone please pass my messages on? Yes. <laughs> yes. I work oh, for polish up your copy. <laughs> oh, talk dirty. <laughs> There's, yeah. that's, that, 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 that's the weird thing is like any of us who are freelance journos in any way, you hear that stuff and you're just like, oh my God, give me an editor that puts a red pen through uh, anything, anything that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if we're going to work together, I want you to print it out and I want you to write, you scribble things out with a red pen, take a photo. It'll make me so happy. It'll make me so Edit happy. me, baby. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Love yeah. that. Um. So what else in this minute do we have to touch on? I, I, I think just the, the the final one is, and I, I just want to talk to you about like about what else has its hooks in you because I think you touched on it perfectly about what has its hooks in you is just I like that these guys also fuck up a little bit. And I like that he doesn't know who Charles Colson is in this moment. And I like that Bernstein and maybe like 10 other guys at that Metro desk do know who, who he is. But I just, there's some endearing quality that I just want to talk about in movies of like, you know, there's sometimes that like reverence with journalists and things like that is always about infallibility. So if someone fucks up a story or if someone is lied to in a story and they don't get a source or there's, there's, you know, instances where, you know, pe people have come on as false sources that have lied and then they've had, you know, they've validated things that are incorrect and there's circumstances that pop up in journalism. But one thing I love about the ethos of these guys in this newsroom, even when it starts at the Metro desk before it moves up to this huge national story is an international story is these guys aren't great yet at their job and that people actually go, you're not great yet, but you're very good. And, yes. and, and we're going to help you be great because we're going to, push you and we're going to grind you and we don't mind if occasionally it's going to be like, you know, we're going to have to take the piss out of you and say you're a schmuck when you don't know something. But I just love that in this minute you start to get that sense of like, these guys aren't great at it, but that's why you have editors who help them be great. Like the point is that you don't just get, you're not just a mold that comes out like a, like a phone on a factory line that just like stamp and there's that digital thing, like the circuitry's there. It actually takes time to be great. And a lot of editorial guidance and support. Yeah, they have to be molded. But I also think, you know, there's a, a I think what Redford brings is sort of this like real earnestness yes. and the way he um, asks questions sort of without any um, guile or like embarrassment. He's just like, hey, I'm from the Washington Post. I, who are you? <laughs> Who's lawyer are you? And hi. Who checked out this book? But even, but he does it even with his own boss. He's not hiding the ball. He's not yes um, pretending like he knows more than he does. He he's like, hey boss, who's Charles Colson? And and the boss is like, oh Jesus Christ, you're <laughs> but, you know. It's like um, you know he that like level of just like being completely willing to ask the question is I think a really important quality for a journalist to have and the way that he asks it in such non-threatening ways like gets people to talk to him and um and he's willing to be like yeah I don't know this but I will find out and <clears throat> you know I mean I think Hoffman's character is a little bit more um 
like he's a bit more of a know-it-all. He is just a know-it-all, like m- more so. Yeah, even when he's like lurking around and being like, "Oh, who are you talking about? I want to be on that story." Ooh, what's this? Oh, I'm like he's constantly like weaseling his way in to what he knows is going to be a good story, but he's like, you know, he's a little bit smarmier. It's like they're great <laughs> um, foils for each other in this role, and they work really well together because they both are like a couple minutes later, Warden or uh, Harry says to Simons, he's like, they're hungry. Don't you remember what it was like to be hungry? And like, I love that, that in this. <laughs> and then, and then he parcels. He, I love that. You just said, touched on it. I'm, I'm glad we talked about it now. We definitely can talk about it in a minute. One of my favorite lines of the entire movie. So firstly, he's like, they're hungry. Don't you remember when they were hungry, when you were hungry? And he's so emphatic about them being on the story because he's so passionate about it. And then he walks out of the office and goes, you're both on the story. No, don't fuck it up. <laughs> it's just like the best. It's the best juxtaposition of like really emphatically supporting someone and then just knowing exactly what they need to do. Hey, idiots, you're both on the story. Don't fuck it up. Get back That's to it. That's the kind of editor you want. <laughs> oh my God, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And also like Jack Warden. I mean, I was like reading a little bit more about him, but he's just like this Uber, like World War Two vet, tough guy who's like in the Battle of the Bulge, like broke his leg doing a parachute jump. Like, I mean, he's such a like man of another era that we would like probably never see again. <laughs> never. And so, and I, he adds his flavor of that to so many movies like 12 angry men and and this and even like he goes on to star as like norm mcdonald's you know dad in like dirty work and stuff like that and Artie lang's dad like it's just and he always is that comedy and like i think the reason why he ended up leaning into comedy so much more is because he's just such a great foil of like no bullshit like he's the unfiltered no bullshit guy and so many movies don't know how to use that guy maybe don't have the cause for that guy. Like here he's great as an editor because like you want the guy who's no bullshit but also has your back. And and yeah. and and like that's why he's made for like a war movie or made to have conflict in 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 a courtroom as a as a juror and or oh, sorry as a as a jury room and made to have conflict as like a dad who you know is who, who like looks at your bullshit and goes stop what are you doing and then like you know gives that comedic foil. He's so great. He's so great in this yeah. moment and this bit. He definitely has like big dad energy and like <laughs> and like a warmth too. Even though he's tough, like, like you can tell he cares about the right thing. So yeah, he's wonderful. Um, well, so many well, good character actors. Uh, I love them all. Well, Just want to give them all a hug. <laughs> well, this movie cares about the right things, and so I think that is a great way to end this moment. This has been my yeah. dear friend Katie Walsh. She's amazing. You can find her at Katie Walsh on Twitter. And uh, Katie, you're the best. Thank you so much for being a part of all the President's Minutes. This was amazing. So much fun. This movie slaps. (laughs) This movie slaps and or, (laughs) and or, as we said off air, it may also fuck. It may also. (laughs) It may also. And, uh, you know, whoever said that, I don't know who coined it in writing, but you you took what we were all thinking and feeling and you put it out there and bless you for opening that gateway. Um, This has been all the President's Minutes. We'll catch you on another episode very soon. Bye. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the absolutely wonderful, the incredible Katie Walsh. If you want to follow what Katie's up to, the best place to find her, I find personally, is on Twitter um, because she is all over uh, the place with the Tribune Agency. So if you want to find her on Twitter, it is at Katie Walsh, S T X 
for X-Ray. You will not be disappointed. Um, and she is a frequent uh, collaborator of this uh, lovely production's uh, house, if that's what you want to call us. So she'll be back, I'm sure. Thank you so much again for listening to All the President's Minutes and anything on the One Heat Minute Productions feed. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and producer of Increment Vice, as well as everything that's been happening on the One Heat Minute Productions feed. If you want to follow me, simply go to at one Blake Minute on Instagram and on Twitter, or to oneheatminute.com to find out everything that's happening with the show and about the show. If you guys want to support us, we have a link on oneheatminute.com to our Patreon. If you can spare even a couple of bucks a month, the cost of a coffee a month you are going to be contributing to this show, The Amazing Increment Vice, and any other amazing shows that are a part of One Heat Minute Productions. Thank you so much in advance. If you can't support us, you don't have the cash, that's totally fine. But please, subscribe, rate, review, and share the shows. We would love, if you are digging the show, share them with like-minded film folk around the place. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode. We'll catch you on another episode of All the President's Minutes and another episode in the One Heat Minute Productions feed. Very soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.